net, I bought it at 185K. At that point, it was at least 250 by the time I bought it. So the moment I bought the place, I go to a bank and cash myself out. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Do you know how you can benefit from crowdfunding? If you haven't checked out our special series, Best Crowdfunding Crash Course Ever, presented by Patch of Land, then you need to. It's episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173, because you'll hear from the industry's leading crowdfunding experts on how you can benefit by getting involved, whether it's getting access to funds for your deal or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Chi Chu Wong. Hi, Chi Chu. Hello. Thanks for having me, Joe. Oh, pleasure, my friend. Chichu's joining us from Jersey City, New Jersey, where he focuses on residential properties. He has a multi-million dollar portfolio. His portfolio consists of double digits of the properties that he owns, and he buys properties, and guess what? He never sells them. He is a long-term buy-and-hold investor, and interestingly, non-real estate related, he has an electrical engineering degree but he doesn't know how to fix an electrical outlet. So I'm right there with you, my friend. I have no clue <laughs> how to fix an electrical outlet, but I don't have the electrical engineering degree, so I kind of have an excuse. <laughs> and you can say hi to him at realestatedoer.com. That's realestatedoer.com. So with that being said, Chichu, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure, sure. Yeah. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome. And uh, like like Joe says, I'm a landlord. I most of my properties are in Jersey City, New Jersey. And Joe, you live in New York, right? New York City, right? I do. You do. So you must know where Jersey City is. I hope. <laughs> I know where you're at. Okay, that's great. So for the rest of the best ever listeners, uh, Jersey City is right next to New York, Manhattan. And right now, there's a huge transformation happening in this area. So it's one of the most exciting places in America right now. So 30 years ago, brief history, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, Jersey City was a dump. They were giving out land for free. Now it's as expensive as, as part of the Manhattan. So where our focus in is a little bit farther part, an inner city part of Jersey City, which there are clear signs of changing already. So I accumulate properties there in Jersey City. And the very first house that I bought in Jersey City was I bought it with my buddy. Both of us don't know anything about houses, and I still kind of don't know. And it requires gut renovation. So that was quite an experience. The rest is history, really. Well, the rest is history, but we're going to dive into that history, my friend, because there are a couple interesting things there. You said your focus is on the inner city part of Jersey City um, because that's kind of where the deals are now. And your first house was a gut renovation. Were you doing it full time? Were you doing real estate full time? And let's start with that question. Were you doing it full time? Yes or no? No. I mean, at that point, I was I was having a nine to five job. So it was an interesting experience. So imagine a person need to go to work in the morning, 
and have a gut renovation job that requires to be done. And still have nothing, don't know anything about houses. So it was, it was good. I mean, I, I've learned a lot. And a lot of them is not necessarily real estate related. It's really life in general, really. That's, that's what real estate uh, gave me. Well, let's talk about real estate specific stuff, though, because this is, you know, to go from not having property to having a multimillion dollar portfolio, there's a lot of real estate things that I want to talk about. So let's talk about the first place. You'd never done a gut renovation before. You have a full-time job. How do you do a gut renovation successfully? Because I guarantee if I tried to do that and I picked up a hammer, I'd end up like knocking myself out and going to the hospital. So how do you do that when you don't have the experience? Right. So I, I paired up with, with good people. So at first, before the renovation job started, before I even bought my first house, there were actually some planning before. So I went to various uh, real estate meeting, those RIA, the real estate investment association, and meet up some of their powerful people. And then they introduced me to various deals, various contractors, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know how to, how to do a, got a renovation job. I still don't. I know someone who does. How did you finance the property, the first one? The first one, I, I got a little bit lucky. So uh, because I had a nine-to-five job, and it's easier for me to get financing at that point. So because of that, you know, in these days, I mean, we, we have a I, I bought it post-crisis. So that's when the interest rate was relatively low. So that's why we, we got a pretty good deal. It's what they call a construction loan. I got it with one of those big banks, and the rate is super so you got a construction loan, you rehabbed it, then what happened? I keep it. It's cash flowing properly. <laughs> but do you have to get a new loan after the construction loan? No, this is, this is what they call a either one off or one closed loan. So essentially it was, they give you money for construction. So during the construction phase, you set up what the construction budget is going to be. And then they kind of give you the money as it comes along. And then after it's done, then it automatically becomes a fixed rate mortgage, which I'm still currently owning that particular mortgage and, and the property, of course. And it's been cash flowing very well. So let's talk numbers on that first house. How much did it cost? What is it worth now? What's the rent on it? That type of thing. Sure, sure. So numbers. So I got it really cheap, of course, as I got a renovation. So it was 70K, 70,000 for a three-family house. So essentially a house that has three families. And the gut renovation was roughly around 150 or so. So all in is roughly around 320, and which is which is amazing because around that area, even as as of that point, uh, it was roughly worth easily to 280 at that point. And now it's gone up even a little bit more. Honestly, I don't really care what the market value is. When when we talk about oh, I have a multi-million portfolio, I'll be as happy even if all oh, my house is worth one dollar. The reason is because it's been cash flowing very well. So it's cash flow around thirty three hundred per month, and I I bank in quite a, quite a bit. I mean, uh, the tax is low there in that particular place, and uh, financing, as I mentioned, is relatively cheap. So I don't remember exactly how much I, I got from that particular property because I look at it in the aggregate. Right. Definitely, I I do know for a fact that it's cash flowing very well. So thirty three hundred is the rent that is paid every month, right? Yeah, paid every month, and as it comes along, I, I guess. It's uh, people always talk about getting cash flow property. What's your cap? What's your rate of return? What are your numbers? I get it. At the same time, is having having very little maintenance, where a lot of aggravation. Even though I have a property manager, 
it's 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 golden. It's I would much rather to earn let's say a hundred bucks less than, than with absolutely zero trouble than earning a hundred bucks more with a lot of headaches for for ourselves. So it's something to keep in mind for the best effort listeners. So really, numbers are important, but to only to a certain degree. Then once you got that property turned around, were you purchasing another before you completed that first one, or were did you wait until you completed it? Oh, it's it's a good question. Actually, that one, what I, I got put online, so I bought it, but I, I didn't really put online until relatively late. And as I mentioned, I mean, I know nothing about uh, renovation, so it, it took a little bit while. So during that time, I actually bought two other houses within the same month. So it was a pretty crazy uh, month, and uh, and those ones actually get rented out first before this one does. How'd you finance those two? Uh, for for a couple of them, and it becomes on uh, what what the game I had to do so far. So I purchase with cash, but keep in mind is that it's it's just temporary. So I bought it in cash, do whatever I need to do to do some small little touch up, then I rent it out, get and then get financing through through banks, and then cash other people out. So net, I practically can go in for it with very little money or almost free, but I get to hold the property. And it cash flow month to month. That's really my game, really. And what's the advantage of buying it with cash, do some temporary touch-up, then running it out, then getting financing versus putting a down payment on a loan initially? Good question. So the advantage, essentially, on the net basis, meaning money, It's when I say net basis, I mean the money that I put in minus the money that I, that I can collect back. So by doing my way, it's actually I get I get to use less money to to hold the property. So let's let's go to the original method. So a very very typical method. So I buy a house. Let's say it's a hundred k. So I need to put twenty. So I need to put twenty thousand uh twenty percent down. So that means I have to stick my twenty thousand dollars into a property forever until I get a second mortgage, for example, which is almost impossible these days with with a bank. Would you agree, Joe? Yes. Yes. So this is so if I were to buy a house and just get a mortgage, I would have to park some money there. But whereas doing doing the way that I do is I bought the house. Let's say it's it's a it's another ten hundred k as well. Okay, but I know that house worth one thirty one forty, which 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 can happen. And what I do is that I bought it with cash and then. After after finishing it, it worth one thirty one forty. But the bank sees it, so they will willing to lend out, let's say eighty percent of one thirty one forty instead of eighty percent in the original case, eighty percent of a hundred k. So they're willing to lend eighty percent of one thirty one forty, which is almost exactly the same as how much I bought it for. So on a net to basis, I give out hundred k. I get hundred k back, roughly speaking. So that means I'm pretty much got the house for free. And and guess what, best ever listeners, that money that he gets back out is tax free. Mm-hmm. All right, drum roll. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Right, right, right. So uh, I mean, I'm a Mister Average. I'll be honest with you, but I got lucky, as in, well, not really lucky. It's a mixture of preparation as well as uh, you know things, but. Going back, best advice is learn to leverage. When I'm sure you have a lot of experience, Joe, right? In terms of uh, you, you raise capital, you do syndication for 
for for your deals, right? Yep. That's a fact of leveraging with money. So there are other aspects of leveraging. So today I want to talk about leveraging people. That's the uh, so that's what I say. Learn to leverage and learn to leverage with people. And what do you mean by that? Okay, I'll give you a story. I I heard of this story when I was really young. Okay, so one day there was a building that was set on fire. I hope it wasn't any one of us, <laughs> but it's a it's a building that was on fire. So everyone was trying to run for the exit, but there were leaves with two people. They were stranded in their apartment. So one of them is blind and one of them is crippled. So obviously the blind person can't see where it's about to go. And a person who's crippled knows where to go, but doesn't, but can't get out. So finally, they come up with a solution. So the blind person say, hey, why don't I carry you and you show me how to get out? So what happens was the blind person carried the crippled person and they work as a team and they were able to get out of the apartment and safely unscathed. So you learn to work with a team. So what I mean by that, learn to leverage with other people. That means I, I to a certain extent, am crippled. I still don't know how to, how to swing a hammer. I really don't. <laughs> but I leverage with a contractor who's a, who's a person that I trust. I mean, it's not some random contractor. It's, we have a personal relationship with as well. But by now, we, we, we establish our relationship. So he knows how to fix houses, but he is not maybe as much as good as in terms of using the spreadsheet and stuff like that, which I'm really good at. So that's why we we're able to leverage both ourselves of our of our strains and work something together to make the gut renovation project happen. So that's another example, for example, uh, with my property manager, right? So as, as I mentioned, I had a 95 job, right? So I can't go to places to collect rents and doing stuff like that, right? So my, my property manager is really amazing in terms of working with people, going to speak with tenants, et cetera, et cetera. But she's not as good in terms of keeping track who's actually haven't paid a rent or who has paid the rent. So again, we work as a team. So I'm basically a quarterback and he's uh, she's working more on an on-field type thing. So net result was so far, fingers crossed and knock on wood, I've yet to even have a miss single rental payment which i was blown away it was amazing so learning to leverage people that's the key you were attending these real estate meetings Mm -hmm. when you were building out your team when you were learning the business and i've been to those meetings Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. and it can be challenging to figure out where you spend your time how you spend your time and ultimately who you end up doing business with. Right. And when you talk about learning the leverage with people, how do you determine, let's put yourself in that room, the real estate meetup. How do you determine who to spend time with and ultimately who to work with? Right, right. That's a very good question. Again, it's learning how to leverage. So what I mean by that is in a meetup, right, there's always a host, right? So there's a host. You always go straight to the host and then talk to them him or her first because they have the most uh, relevant information. They know the person who's actually come here in and out, uh, who are the regulars, who are kind of the kind of new beginners and stuff like that. So you want to get connected with the host and then kind of explore based on what he finds out. Then you can kind of, and then maybe he can give you a warm introduction to, to some of the, I mean, the, the people who are the doers really. So that's how, how I would approach, and I did, that's how I approach with various meetups and meetings. It, and it's really about this person who's really good, and then 
introduce you to that person who's equally good, etc. It's it's really the chain effect. When you go up to that host, because I you know I've hosted some meetings and taught classes and stuff, and I connect on greatly different levels with different people depending on their energy and what they say and what their approach is with me. Mm-hmm. So, what is your approach with the host whenever you walk up to him or her? It's really being genuine and at the same time being professional. Really, I mean, maybe come from my uh, office job background. I learned how to present in a professional manner. So that certainly helps. And really just learn a little bit about what you're about to to get into. For example, you want to buy properties in Jersey City, right? So I hope you should learn something about that particular city. So knowing oh, where are some of the properties are, which are the quote unquote good and bad areas, doesn't need to mean that you have to be a super in-depth uh, knowledge, but at least you know something about it. So you sound intelligent. And present yourself being genuine. Always talk about in terms of what they mean. So ask, explore that. What kind of question do they have? And see if you can pair up your value to theirs. And that's how you you build a relationship. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. First, a quick word from our best ever sponsors. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it, and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've read. It's a book called How to Read a Book. It's by Adler. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, books that you'll be reading in real estate. So you might as well invest some of your time to learn how to read a book properly, to, to how to read it effectively. Best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you've learned from it. So through the years, I learned how to speak and how to write properly. I mean, 10 years ago, I would be scared to death if coming on the podcast with Joe or, or writing, a, writing materials for my website. So I've come across... I forced myself to, to learn it, and this is one of the best things that I, I, I strongly encourage everyone to do. So learn to communicate effectively. Best ever success habit you practice? So waking up early. So I like to work. I wake up early. I wake up regularly around 6.30, sometimes at 6 a.m. And the first couple of hours is always the most productive time of my, of my day. So I strongly encourage everyone to, to wake up early. Best ever deal you've done? There are, there are quite a few, actually. I'll give you one of the one of the fa- uh, multifamily that I that I bought. It was a two-family, and I pick it up at 195k, and there was an illegal tenant in there. And as a result, I actually made money as a result because the seller was able to give me 15k, and I paid 5k to pay him off to to ask him to uh, to move out. So net, I bought it at 185k. At that point, it was at least. 250 by the time I bought it. So the moment I, I bought a, I bought the place, I go to bank and cash myself out. I got 185k loan and net I'm free. And it cash flow at least I don't know how much, but it's one of the most best uh, cash flow properties I have. Easily four digit per month. How are you finding these deals? Actually, a quick tip for everyone. So this is one of the deals that is i call it the forgotten deals so what happens is that deal has been actually on the listing on a listing website for multiple years it was around three years or so so a lot of times 
a lot of people chase for the deal that's at the moment it was listed. By the time that uh, the listing, after 30 days, 60 days, can pass, people lose interest or they didn't know that the house was in fact still available. So what that means is you're actually chasing the ones that are basically forgotten. And in this case, it's been forgotten for three years or so. So it's one of the best ones. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? It's life in general, really. I mean, I've over years with real estate, I'm extremely grateful for uh, what real estate has done for, for me and my family. And it's internal financial is definitely helped uh, a lot. And also being very humble for for meeting a lot of people that are, that are better than I do, the contractors, the, the property managers, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's been a great ride. So best thing ever right now, it's, it's life. Best ever way you like to give back? It's going to be, I'll, I'll pick my website at realestatedoer.com and where in that place I document as well as to share my real estate experience with it. And I used to do a lot of volunteering, and which which I still do at this point. But what I realized is that by by doing by creating a website, or say for example with you, right, uh, creating podcasts, I had the opportunity to to influence to to help not just one or ten people at a time that I volunteer. So for example, in your podcast, right, in at this time, there will be ten thousand, a hundred thousand people. That gets to listen to to us talking, and share our experience and learn from that. So that means doing a website, create a podcast. Those are some of the best things that, in my opinion, is a way to give back. Best ever quote. Best ever quote. It would have been your motto, really. It's uh, really, it's really giving back. That originally I'm going to use that one because I, I know that to you, secret to living is giving. Correct. Yes. So it would have been mine, but I, I, I have to come up with a second one. Well, I got mine from Tony Robbins, The Secret to Living is Giving. So if you want to <laughs> if you want to rip me off and I've ripped him off, then there you go. It, it, it's just like comes full circle. Yeah, absolutely. But I'll, I'll, for now, I'll put another one just in case is if there's no today, there won't be a tomorrow. So I know in real estate world, a lot of people say, oh, I want to buy a huge building in New York, Manhattan. That's tomorrow. But at the same time, make sure you come up with the actionable intermediate step for you to get there. And sometimes it may not be the first thing that you would think that uh, you would do. For example, I got a nine-to-five job in order to buy my first house because I got cheaper financing. But those are things that you would do today to do something with an eye for tomorrow, which is buying your huge, huge New York apartment or a huge New York building. So make sure you have an eye for tomorrow, but make sure to take care of today as well. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Biggest mistake is not starting early enough, I guess. <laughs> but uh, another one is, I guess it's used, which would be helpful for best ever listeners, is to teach your tenant how to turn off your water valve and how to use that fire extinguisher. So these kind of small little things, it's so easy to do it, but if you don't do it, guess what? You will have a lot of maintenance issues and I've experienced that, which I won't get into that, but you know the idea. What's the best ever place to reach you? Best ever place is going to be by email at ccwong, so ccwong at realestatedoer.com. And feel free to leave any comments, 
take a look of that, see what you like, or just shoot me an email, anything. Well, thank you for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and you know, talking about your portfolio, how you got started with the first gut renovation you had. And currently, as you claim, although I don't believe you that you have no clue about renovation, <laughs> I also don't believe you that you're Mr. Average. I know that's false, but everything else I believe what you're saying. <laughs> I like how you talked about your typical method of how you pay for cash. And then you, when you pay for cash, it's a building that is worth more. So you've got some equity in it already at closing. Then you do a little touch-up stuff. Then you get a resident in there. Then you put a mortgage on it. And then you get majority, if not all, of your money back. And in some cases, you might even get more yep. than what you put in it. And you mentioned it in passing, but I wrote it down. You said you're very good at spreadsheets. And so that makes a lot of sense whenever you're running these rehab numbers and you're running the numbers. And in order to be good at spreadsheets, I'm sure you would agree the spreadsheet's only as good as the data that you put into it. So you need to be aware of the different aspects and what numbers are valid and what are not. So I think that also ties into learning how to leverage partnerships and people. And I think your host example, I mean, anybody who attends any meeting, whether it's a real estate meetup or whether it's just a class or a presentation, take this advice. There's always a host. They have the most relevant information. They'll know the most people. So meet the host at every event and be professional, be genuine, and know a little bit about what you want to get into. Because the best thing to do is talk relevant information, relevant topics to that host. The worst thing to do is to go up there and not have a purpose because that host is meeting. There's probably a line and that host is meeting many people. And at the end of your meeting, you want there to be an outcome with him or her. You don't want it to just kind of trail off and not have anything as a result of meeting him or her. So tons of great information in this conversation. I'm so grateful that you were a guest on the show. Is there anything else you wanted to mention to the best ever listeners? Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you so much for uh, for the invite and uh, hope the best of luck with you as well, joeferros.com. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever. 